For over 45 years, Pensacola Christian College has set aside some time each spring semester for Bible conference. These days of concentrated study and preaching from the Word of God are a time of spiritual enrichment for our students, faculty and staff, and many others who join us for these services. We're pleased to welcome you to the PCC Bible Conference. Judges chapter 3, would you go there with me in the Word of God? Judges chapter number 3. And I'm going to invite you one more time to stand for the reading of God's Word. Judges chapter number 3. The Bible says in verse 15, but when the children of Israel cried unto the Lord, the Lord raised them up a deliverer, Ehud, the son of Jerah, a Benjamite, a man left-handed. By him, the children of Israel sent a present, present unto Eglon, the king of Moab. But Ehud made him a dagger, which had two edges of a cubit length, and he did gird it under his raiment upon his right thigh. And he brought the present unto Eglon, king of Moab. And Eglon was a very fat man. I didn't say it, God said it. Yeah, and I said it too. And when he had made an end to offer the present, he sent away the people that bear the present. But he himself turned again from the quarries that were by Gilgal. And said, I have a secret errand unto thee, O king, who said, keep silence. And all that stood by him went out from him. And Ehud came unto him, and he was sitting in a summer parlor, which he had for himself alone. And Ehud said, I have a message from God unto thee. And he arose out of his seat. And Ehud put forth his left hand and took the dagger from his right thigh and thrust it into his belly. And the half also went in after the blade, and the fat closed upon the blade so that he could not draw the dagger out of his belly, and the dirt came out. This is getting real good. You know what I'm saying. Then Ehud went forth through the porch, shut the doors of the parlor upon him, and locked them. When he was gone out, his servants came, and when they saw that, behold, the doors of the parlor were locked. They said, surely he covered his feet in his summer chamber, and they tarried till they were ashamed, and behold, he opened out the doors of the parlor. Therefore took they the key and opened them, and behold, their Lord was fallen down dead on the earth. And he could escape while they tarried and passed beyond the quarries and escaped unto Azirath. And it came to pass. He blew a trumpet in the mountain of Ephraim. And the children of Israel went down with him from the mount, and he before them. And he said unto them, Follow after me, for the Lord hath delivered your enemies, the Moabites, into your hand. And they went down after him and took the fords of Jordan toward Moab and suffered not a man to pass over. And they slew of Moab at that time about 10,000 men, all lusty, all men of valor, and there escaped not a man. So Moab was subdued that day under the hand of Israel. And the land had rest four score years. If you believe the Bible, say amen. amen. Our Father, we pray one more time that you'd help me Cleanse me of sin, empty me of self, and fill me with your spirit. Help me to be a blessing. I need you. Oh, God, I need you. So I pray, God, that you do a work, that the word of God would accomplish its purpose, that nobody in the building would leave here having not been touched with the truth of God's word. Thank you for what we've already seen and heard and felt. But, God, you're not done, so please help us in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. Thank you so much for standing. The nation of Israel, God's 
chosen people. They did not choose God, God chose them. He did not choose them for their greatness. He chose them to show forth his greatness. He chose them so that they could know him and to make him known. That all the earth may know that there is a God in Israel. Judges represents one of the lowest moral declines in the history of the nation of Israel. It involves a repetitious cycle. The book tells us why this time was so low and why this cycle was so repetitive. There was no king in Israel. So every man did that which was right in his own eyes. There was no authority. There was no accountability. So everybody did whatever he wanted to do. This is not the message this morning, but I'm telling you, you need a king in your life. I need a king in my life. I need authority. I need accountability. I need somebody looking in on me. I need somebody watching over me. I need somebody admonishing me. I need somebody correcting me because if left up to me, I'm always right. All the ways of a man are clean in his own eyes and I too will engage in this repetitious cycle. Israel over and over again in the book of Judges did good for a while. And then they did evil. And then God sent judgment. And then they cried unto God. And then God raised up a deliverer, a judge. And then after they were delivered, not long, they went back to doing evil again. God sent judgment. They cried unto God. God raised up a deliverer. And not long after deliverance, they went back into evil again. And over and over and over again, this happens in the book of Judges. It sounds somewhat like us. We do well for a while, and then we mess up, and God has to chastise us. And then we call on God, and then God brings deliverance. And not long after deliverance, we fall back in that same trap again. This is where Israel was, and this is where you and I have found ourselves time and time again. In Judges chapter 3, there right in that vicious cycle again. This time it is the Moabites controlling them, dominating them, ruling them and running them. As a matter of fact, not only is Moab running them, but Moab is running them under the direction of King Eglon. Last night we heard very little about a lady and today God gives us some more description. The girl was little last night. This guy ain't little. <laughs> the Bible says, verse number 17, he was a very fat man. Please don't think I'm picking on fat people because most of us are fat. And I'm here to tell you, fat is where it's at. Amen. <laughs> They say, do you have any dietary preferences? Yes. If it's sugar-free, cholesterol-free, fat-free, it is nasty. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> you go to the store, and they've got a product in the section called, I don't believe it's not butter. Put it in your mouth one time. You'll know it's not butter. There's only one thing in the world that tastes like butter, and that's butter. Somebody say amen. There's a young lady in our church, she goes to school here. She informed me last night, I'm her pastor. I didn't know this. She doesn't eat meat. 
I not only found out she doesn't eat meat, I found out she's not saved. <laughs> they tell me, you take meat out of your diet, you're going to live longer. You're going to be more healthy. All right, I'm going to keep meat in my diet. I'm going to die of bad health. You're going to take meat out of your diet, and you're going to die of depression. We're both going to die. <laughs> I'll meet you at the Golden Gates. Amen. <laughs> Eglon's a very fat man. I reckon he ate meat. But I want to tell you, he's getting fat off of Israel. He's gaining his weight off of the people of God. They should be paying tribute to the Lord. They should be serving Almighty God. But there's a man that has stepped into their lives and he's dominating them and he's running their lives and he's ruining their potential and he does it for 18 solid years. Until finally, God gets involved and the fat man dies. Hallelujah. Amen. In a few moments, I'm going to get up the road, my family and I will head back towards home. But before I do that, I want to challenge the student body this morning. I didn't come today to give you a sermon from a briefcase. I want to give you a message from my heart. I want to tell you there's something special about being a child of God. Listen to me, there's nothing better in the, in the world than being saved by the grace of God, washed in the pure, precious blood of Jesus Christ, indwelt by the Holy Ghost of God, led by the Word of God, guided by the Spirit of God. Heaven is your home, God's your Father, Jesus is your Savior, the Holy Ghost is your comforter. There's nothing like being saved. I've done some things in my life I wish I could go back and change. I've made some mistakes that I regret. I've done some things that have made me feel guilty. But the day as a four-year-old boy, when I knelt down beside my daddy's bed, and I prayed and asked God to forgive me of my sin. I'm telling you, I've never regretted it. I've never wanted to change it. I'm glad I'm saved. To be a child of God, God has a purpose and a plan for your life. To be a child of God, God has a future for you. To be a child of God, God has a blueprint for you. To be a child of God, God has a destiny for you. But I wonder if there's not a young man or a young lady or a man or woman in the building today, some fat man, some vice, some habit, something has stepped into your life and blocked you from moving forward from God. for God, limited your potential for God, stymied you in your growth for God. Maybe today some sin, some temptation, some stronghold, some long time bitterness, some root of sin has entered into your life and it stayed there. It has found a comfortable place there and it's blocking you from moving forward. I'm here to tell you on this day in this Bible conference, it's time, it's time for that fat man to die. It's time for you to get back to doing and being and heading where God wants you to go. This morning, for a few moments, the fat man, it's time for him to die. Please look with me in Judges chapter 3 at the desperate cry. The desperate cry. Israel was engaged in a provocative failure. They provoked God. Listen, according to verse 12, they did evil again. They did evil again. They were not in this situation because of God's fault. They were not in this situation because God just wanted them miserable. 
They were in this situation because they did evil again. They knew better. Listen, they knew better. They were not walking in ignorance. They were, they were not drowning in naivete. They were doing what they knew they shouldn't do. They were functioning in a way they knew was wrong. And I'd like to ask you this morning, in what are you engaged that you know is wrong? What are you listening to that you know is wrong? Where are you going that you know is wrong? Who are you hanging with that you know is wrong? What are you thinking about that you know is wrong? Our sin will provoke God. God to judgment. The prosperous foe, notice again, if you would, verse number 12, God strengthened Eglon. <laughs> Ironic, isn't it? That God would make our enemy stronger. I mean, if Israel was God's people, why wasn't God strengthening them? And if Eglon was the enemy of God's people, why was God strengthening him? God was trying to teach Israel something and maybe there's something in your life that feels like an enemy. Maybe there's something you're facing in your life that seems to be getting stronger. Listen to me, when your walk with God gets weaker, then your enemies get stronger. When your sin gets stronger, then your resistance gets weaker. I'm telling you, the provocative failure in our lives brings up a prosperous foe. Notice the peak frustration of Israel. But when the children of Israel cried unto the Lord. At some point in time, they got tired and they got frustrated. And I'm wondering this morning if whatever is running your life has been running your life too long, are you tired of it? The peak frustration from the people of God initiated, if you would, the providential faithfulness of God. God raised up a deliverer. Aren't you glad that God knows how to raise up a deliverer? Amen. Amen. Oh, the Bible tells us that when there was no rose red enough, there was no lamb white enough, there was no man good enough. God sent forth his son made of a woman made under the law to redeem them that were under the law that we might receive the adoption of sons. Scarcely for a righteous men some would die, yet peradventure for a good men some would even dare to die. But God committed his love toward us in that while we're yet sinners, Christ died for us. Aren't you glad when nobody could save you from your sin? Aren't you glad that nothing, when nothing in you merited God's grace? Aren't you glad that God raised up a deliverer by the name of the Lord Jesus Christ who didn't die for some people's sins but he died for the sins of the whole world and I'm here to tell you tonight if some fat man, some vice, some sin some disobedience is running your life that same God that sent Jesus that same God to put the stars in place and the moon in space, that same God that took from the dust of the ground and formed man and breathed in the man's nostrils a breath of life, that same God is still able to raise up deliverance To get you back to your purpose function so you can quit serving Eglon and start serving God. So you can quit serving pornography and start serving God. So you can quit serving bitterness and start serving God. So you can quit serving your own selfish interests and stop serving God. God wants you to live for him, but you can't live for him while you're living for Eglon. You can't live for him while you're living for some sin. You can't live for him while you're dominated by some failure. I'm here to tell you God wants to get you back to what you were created to do, and that is to bring God glory. The desperate cry, notice number two, the decisive carry. <laughs> Eglon is a Benjamite, a left-handed man, and God is going to use him to bring about deliverance. If you'd listen in verse number 16, Ehud rather, not Eglon, Ehud is a left-handed man, a Benjamite, 
whom God is going to use to raise up deliverance. Verse number 16, Ehud made him a dagger. I said this is a decisive carry. <laughs> if the fat man's gonna die and Ehud's gonna kill him, Ehud's gotta Ehud's got make sure he's carrying the right weapon. Notice what the Bible says, he made him a dagger. I call this a held product. Watch this now, this was a dagger that had two edges. It was a dagger with usable sharpness. It was also a dagger of a cubit length. It had a unique size. I, I know that there's no way to prove this, but a, a cubit is about 18 inches. And, and somehow I have in my mind 18 inches, one inch for every year, Eglon had ruled over God's people. And here goes Ehud. He says, I'm going to kill the fat man, but I'm not going unarmed. He has a held product. Notice he puts it in a hidden place. The Bible says he did gird it under his raiment upon his right thigh. <laughs> yeah. Ehud's packing, amen, yeah he is. I'm telling you, he's going to see the fat man, but he ain't going with him empty handed. He's going to see the fat man. He's not going without a weapon, but he's not only carrying a weapon, but he's carrying a weapon in a hidden place. The Bible says he tucks it behind his right thigh where nobody can get to it, where nobody can take it from him, where he makes sure it's secure, where he's not gonna lose it, where he's not gonna drop it. He's got, if you would, a held product and he puts it in a hidden place. Somebody today is thinking, I've got this fat man in my life. I don't think I'll ever be able to defeat him. I don't think I'll ever be able to overcome it. I don't think I'll ever be able to get over that bitterness. I don't think I'll ever be able to get past that past. I don't know how I can do it. Could I tell you that the fat man can die, but it can't die without the right weapon? Aren't you glad that you and I can have a held product that can be put in a hidden place? Aren't you glad that we're not fighting the devil and we're not fighting sin on what college we're from or what family we're born in or our talents and abilities or our financial background or our IQ. Aren't you glad that when we face the fat man, we face the fat man with the word of God. Wherewithal shall a young man cleanse his way by taking heed thereto according to thy word. With my whole heart have I sought thee. Oh, let me not wonder from thy commandments. Thy word have I hid in mine heart that I might not sin against thee. Therefore I esteem all thy precepts concerning all things to be right and I hate every false way. Listen to me, thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto to my path forever, O oh Lord. Thy word is settled in heaven and in earth. This book of the law shall not depart out of thy mouth, but thou shalt meditate therein day and night, that thou mayest observe to do according to all that is written therein. For then thou shalt make thy way prosperous, and then thou shalt have good success. Blessed is the man that walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor standeth in the way of sinners, nor sinneth in the seat of the scornful. But his delight is in the law of the Lord, and in his law doth he meditate day and night. He be like a tree planted by the rivers of water that bringeth forth its fruit in his season. His leaf also shall not wither, and what? Whatsoever he doeth shall prosper. The law of the Lord is perfect, converting the soul. More to be desired are they than gold, yea, than much fine gold. Sweet also than honey, than the honeycomb. Moreover, by them is thy servant warned, and in keeping of them there is great reward. Oh, the grass will wither, and the flower will fade, but the word of God shall endure forever. John 17, 17, sanctify them by thy truth, for thy word is true, for the word of God is quick and powerful, and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to dividing a son of the soul and spirit, and of the joints and the Mara and is a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. See, no scripture came by private interpretation, but holy men of God, as they were moved by the Spirit. All, 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 all scriptures give my inspiration of God and is proper of a doctrine for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness, that the man of God may be perfect, thoroughly furnished unto all good works. I know what you're thinking. Motivational.
tongue speaking, maybe getting under somebody that sounds real good, maybe keep trying over and over again and putting forth more effort. That won't kill the fat man, but I'm here to tell you God took 40 men over 1,600 period time and produced a manuscript that's inspired, that's inerrant, that's infallible from cover to cover. It's still the bestseller to be I-B-L-E. Yeah, that's the book for me. I stand alone on the word of God to be I-B-L-E. It's a perfect word. It's a pure word. It's a potent word. It's a powerful word. It's a precious word. It's a preeminent word. It's a piercing word. It's a probing word. It's a perfecting word. It's a perfect word. It's God's word and yeah, it'll get the job done. Maybe the reason why the fat man hadn't died because you're not packing. We have a sword. The desperate cry, the decisive carry. Number three, the direct confrontation. Verse 17, and he brought the present unto Eglon. Listen, if you want to kill the fat man, you got to confront the fat man. You can't come to the altar and pray about everything but your sin. You cannot talk to God about everything but the thing you need help with the most. I remember taking piano lessons. I love to practice, just not the songs I was working on. And so I got to the lesson every week and got to that same part on the song and messed up time and time again. And the teacher said, did you practice? Sure I did. Did you practice this part? No way I didn't. Come on now. Maybe you're carrying your Bible, but you've never confronted Eglon. Come on. Maybe you're in chapel, but you've never confronted Eglon. Maybe you came to the altar, but you've never confronted Eglon. Maybe you've asked God to forgive you all your sins, but you've never confronted Eglon. I'm simply saying you've got to have direct confrontation. Notice he said he made, and when he had made an end, verse 18, to offer the present, he sent away the people that bear the present, but he himself turned again from the quarries that were by Gilgal. Notice verse 19, I have a secret errand unto thee. He landed in front of the fat man and said, I have something to say to you. Somebody's got to leave Bible conference and not let this just be a collective disbursement of the word of God but take it personal and get up from a message and say that sin, that vice that fault, that failure I will confront it myself there must be an individual responsibility there must be an infinite representation an infinite representation I love this statement, verse 20 I have a message from God unto thee Aren't you glad when you confront sin, you're not confronting it in your name, you're confronting it in God's name. I'll come to you on the authority of the word of God. I'll come to you in the name of Jesus. Hey, let me tell you something. You're not gonna run the devil off by telling him you go to Pensacola Christian College. You're not gonna run the devil off by telling him that your mom is this person or your dad is this person or your church is this place or, or you graduated with this degree. But I'll tell you what will shake the devil up. I've got a message from God under thee. Aren't you glad that when we confront the fat man, we don't confront him on our own name. We confront him on the basis of the name of Jehovah God. Notice the intense resolve. Verse 21, he put forth his left hand, took the dagger from his right thigh, 
and thrust it into his belly. I'd have liked to seen this man. Pull that left, that left-handed man, grab that dagger from his right thigh and thrust it into the belly. I won't talk about it. you talking about some of you say, I don't read the Bible because it's boring. Are you kidding me? This sword into the belly. The belly starts eating the sword. All of a sudden, I mean, it starts swallowing up the sword. He can't even get the sword outside the belly. Listen to me. That beats Steven Spielberg every day of the week. I love to read the Bible. I don't read the Bible. It's boring. You ain't never read the Bible. When a donkey starts talking, that ain't boring. Amen. He's got that, he's got that sword. He thrusts it into the belly, and he puts an intense resolve. I think sometimes we coddle sin. We play with sin. We fool around with dealing with sin. Notice he didn't walk up there and say, hey, Eglon, I got me a little sword. Let me just rub it on your belly a little bit. No, 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 no. I'm taking that sword, and I'm thrusting it in there. I'm asking you, where's the fat man in your life? Don't just rub the sword around the belly. Don't coddle him. Hey, pornography, I'm going to chapel. I'll be back afterwards. Hey, bad thought life, I'm going to church. I'll be back after it. Hey, bitterness, I'll put you aside for a little bit, and I'll be back. In. No, 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 no. You can't coddle that fat man. You got to stab him. The individual responsibility, the infinite representation, the intense resolve. Notice the inevitable result. I like this. The dirt came out. Come on now. When the word gets in, the dirt comes out. The Bible's not going to cohabitate with dirt. What's wrong with my Christian life? Listen to me. You get enough of God in, I'll tell you what, you'll get the devil out. You're going to have to be intense about it. You're going to have to be serious about it. You're going to have to be drastic about it. You're going to have to be extreme about it. You've got to deal with it. You can't keep pushing it aside. You can't keep kicking the can down the road. You can't keep acting like it doesn't exist. Here is Ehud in front of Eglon, and he deals with him in an intense way, and it produces an inevitable result. Listen to me. God wants the dirt out of your life, but it won't come out until the word gets in. There was a desperate cry. There was a decisive carry. There was a direct confrontation. And then lastly, there was deliberate closure. The dirt came out. Look at verse 23, would you? Then Ehud went forth through the porch. This is what I call forward progress. Now watch this now. When the fat man dies, guess what you need to do? Move forward. Move forward. What do we do when Bible conference is over? Move forward. What do I do when I get up off the altar after I've made a commitment to God? Move forward. What do I do when I've prayed, I've confessed, I've given it over to God? Move forward. Bible conference ends, but you and God don't end. Move forward. Not only forward progress, but notice if you would, there's a finished process. I like this. He not only went through the porch, verse 23, he shut the doors and locked them. I, I, I want to tell you how we know whether or not Bible conference has been a success. Not by how many students enjoy the messages, but how many students take the messages, do something with them, walk forward, watch this now, shut the doors and lock them. <laughs> Here's in so many words what Ehud is saying. Not only did I kill that fat man, I don't plan on coming back to see him. 
Hey, let me tell you something. When sin goes down, shut the doors and lock them. When you get victory over something, shut the door and lock it. When God gives you victory, shut the door and say, I'm not coming back. Kill the fat man. You remember when old David slung that slingshot and that rock hit him in the middle, hit Goliath in the middle of the head and Goliath went down. Let me tell you something. David could have said, oh yeah, oh yeah, it's my birthday. No, no, no. David goes over there to, uh, to, to, uh, to big old Goliath, steps up on him, takes his sword and cuts his head off as if to say, I'm not just interested in knocking you down. I'm interested in killing you you and I don't plan on coming back wouldn't it be a blessing if some young people got victory over sin victory over the devil victory over bitterness victory over lust and not only knocked it down but killed it locked the door and never came back verse 27 there's a following proclamation he blew the trumpet (laughs) he's not bragging on himself He's bragging on God. Verse number 28, after he blew the trumpet, follow after me, the Lord hath delivered your enemies, the Moabites into your hand. Sound the trumpet. Sound the trumpet. What does that mean? I want everybody to know that fat man's dead. He's not going to run you anymore. He's not going to run me anymore. Hey, let me tell you something. Wouldn't it be something if some students started blowing the trumpet, bragging on God? Hey, listen to me. Instead of getting on social media and blasting a bunch of selfies, uh, instead of getting in a group and gossiping about somebody's failure, instead of talking about a bunch of nonsense and and wasting your time in meaningless conversation, why don't you get on social media or why don't you get around your friends or why don't you get in your prayer group and and brag on the fact that God has given me deliverance. I used to be bound and I used to be controlled and I used to be dominated, but God has brought deliverance. Listen to me. We've got too many people people bragging on themselves, bragging on their accomplishments, sounding the trumpet of their own horn. I'm here to tell you when God brings deliverance, somebody unashamedly brag on Jesus and the fulfilling peace. Verse 30. So Moab was subdued and the land had rest. Peace. Oh, how well you sleep when the fat man's dead. Oh, how well you rest in the Lord when you start living for him again. Oh, how much easier it is to worship when your worship is not clogged by sin and vice. Oh, how sweet your prayer life is when the fat man's not in your head. Oh, how much more natural it is to tell others about Jesus when he's the king of your heart. But until then, there's no peace. One of the things we tend to do every time we come in town is check in the hotel, get settled in, and find where the closest target is. I've started here lately of asking my wife to prepare a list of what she needs out of Target, letting me go in and get it. It's dangerous to let a woman go in Target by herself. She is bound to never return again. Oh, honey, I'm just running in real fast. I just need to get one or two things. Need some bottled water. 
need some wipes to clean our hands in the car. And just a little bit of this and a little bit of that. And one hour later, she comes back with a lot of this and too much of that. <laughs> you know problem? She really genuinely went in for a couple things. But there's too much stuff in there. You go in for groceries and you end up looking for clothes. You go looking for clothes and you walk past jewelry. You walk past jewelry and you see the electronic section. Now you're looking for DVDs. You know why stores like that sell everything? I've never seen her come to the car after an hour and say, guess what, honey? I was walking in the aisle in Target, looked down the aisle, and guess what was on sale today? Peace. I loaded it up. I got a bunch of it because Lord knows we use it up real fast. <laughs> you know, they got everything in Target, got everything in Walmart, but they don't sell peace. See, that's a God thing. The peace of God that passes all understanding keeps your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. Only God can give peace. The devil counterfeits it. The world tries to manufacture it, but only God can produce it. I'm telling you, everybody's looking for peace. They're grappling and they're trying and they're searching and they're vying and they can't seem to listen to me. You take this Bible and you kill that fat man. And I'm telling you, peace will show up. And you'll be wondering in your head, why didn't I do this a long time ago? Church is so much better. Bible college is so much better. My relationship with my parents and my pastor, it's so much better. Oh, serving God is so much better. Why? There's nothing like peace. Today. Today. Not next semester. Not next week, not tomorrow, today, the fat man needs to die. And through the power of Almighty God, I trust that he will. You've been listening to a Bible conference message from Pensacola Christian College. You're welcome to pass this sermon along to others. Please don't charge for it or alter it without written permission from Pensacola Christian College. For additional information about PCC, visit us online at pcci.edu. Pensacola Christian College, empowering Christian leaders to influence the world for Christ.